As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. But hey, tonight we're going to talk about the armor of God, and I want you to get the free download. Please get this. We make this available just for you, and we want you to have it. And while you're at the website, you ought to order the whole series called Dress to Kill. And you know, I wrote this book called Dress to Kill many, many years ago. It was published in 1991. Is that amazing? And from 1991 until now, it has been a bestseller, and it is still a bestseller. It is almost never off the top bestseller list for Amazon. That's the anointing of God on this book. God has just used this book mm -hmm. for all of these years, and it is the first time I've ever taught it as a complete series. So if you already have the book, now you can get the whole series. And the series is really powerful because I bring all the weapons on the set and I teach with all the weapons right in front of me. And it, anyway, it's just great. This is a package that you should get or you should get for somebody else. It's really marvelous. And the study guide is free. So just go to renner.org. You can order it right now. And remember that if you need prayer, we're here for you. Just send us your email or call us. And the moment we hear from you, we're going to begin to pray for you. Just yesterday, we had a big staff meeting online talk to our partner care department about all the phone calls and prayer requests that are coming in. I'm telling you, when you call our ministry, you will really be prayed for. But hey, grab your Bibles and let's go to Ephesians 6. Joel, did you want to say a word? I do. I want to say that our Tulsa office, they love you. They really do. Whenever you guys call, they tell us about it. They give us testimonies every week about what's happening in your life whenever you call us and tell us. And we consider it an honor to pray with you. We really do. And our team is waiting. They love to pray with you. And we believe the prayer of a righteous man avails much. And if we put our faith together, a miracle can happen in your life. Well, let's go to Ephesians 6. And tonight we're going to begin in verse 14. And in Ephesians 6.10, Paul says, My brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. In verse 11, he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Then in verse 12, he says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Then in verse 13, he says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. But let's begin with that verse 13, where he says, Take unto you the whole armor of God. I call that one of the saddest verses in the whole New Testament. One of the saddest. One of the saddest. And the reason I say that is because when Paul says, take unto you the whole armor of God, in Greek it is ana labete. The word ana can mean up, like picking something up, but it also means to repeat a former action. The word labete means to take or to receive. When you put it together, it means pick it up the way you once picked it up, which means the Ephesian church had dropped their weaponry. They had walked away from the power of God. We know that. Because when you read Revelation chapter 2, Jesus actually says they lost their first love. Somehow in the busyness of ministry and the busyness of life, they begin to drift from that on-fire, passionate burn for Jesus they had in the early years. And we learned last week in the regular TV program, the way you walk in the armor of God is by walking in the power of God. In fact, in Ephesians 6 verse 11, when Paul says, put on the whole armor of God, those words, put on, are translated as the word strong in verse 10. 
It really tells us when we receive the strength of the Holy Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit himself who dresses us in the armor of God. And as long as you're walking in the power of God, you will also be equipped with spiritual weaponry. If you walk away from the power of God, then you'll begin to drop your weaponry. And apparently the Ephesian church began to drop their spiritual weapons because they begin to drift from their fire and the power that they experienced in their earlier years. Well, if you study the book of Acts chapter 19, you find that the church of Ephesus was really born in the power of God. Mm -hmm. Signs, wonders, demons cast out, the seven sons of Sceva (laughs) discovered they were no match for demonic powers, but the apostle Paul was. We're told in Ephesians, in Acts chapter 19, that God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. And there was such an eruption of power that they began to burn all their books and their pagan occultish fetishes. And people began coming to the Lord, the Greek says, like a stream. I mean, just streams of people were coming to the Lord. And the church of Ephesus was born in the power of God. But you know that by the time that you come to Revelation chapter 2, where Jesus addresses the church in Ephesus, he says, I have somewhat against you. Mm-hmm. The word against is the word kata. It describes a downward strike. I have a strike against you is what it really means because you've left your first love. It doesn't say they abandoned it or they rejected it. It says they left. And the word left is a translation of a Greek word which means to release something. Just in the busyness of ministry, they got busy. And I think we all know on this home group tonight, and you know that even though you began with a powerful experience, if you don't really hold on to it and do what is necessary to rekindle the fire, it can kind of become just a commonplace experience and you begin to lose your appreciation for it. You get busy with activities at home and at work and even get busy with activities at church and you begin to adjust to the fire until you begin to lose the awareness of it and you begin to drift from the power of God. And I think that we have all been guilty of that And you have to be very engaged in maintaining your fire, which is why you ought to order my book called A Life Ablaze. That book is about the 10 essential fuels you need to stay on fire. But you have to really work to stay on fire. Amen, Paul? How many years would it be from Acts 19 to Revelation chapter 2? 30, 40 years? About 30 years. Mm -hmm. So it takes about 30 years, which means a second generation. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? because the second generation is usually where the fire is lost. The parents come to the Lord, life-transforming experience, and they raise their kids in church, and their kids often don't have the same fiery experience that their parents had, and it's like the experience begins to be watered down, it begins to wane, and you have to really work to impart the fire of God from your generation to the next generation. Your mother and I have been very intentional about imparting what God did in us to you. And guess what? Now when your kids come to see us, we're very intentional with your kids. We talk to your kids. And friends, I want to tell you, talk to your kids. Talk to your grandkids. I'm reading right now the book of Psalms, and over and over the book of Psalms talks about remembering the works of the Lord. We have to remember it. We have to rekindle it and never forget it. Because when you begin to forget, that's when hardness of heart begins to set in. But the point is, the church of Ephesus had dropped the power, and in doing so, they had dropped the weaponry. The good news is, Paul says, 
take unto you anilabete, which means repeat the action. If you've walked away from the power of God, you can pick it up again. It's not over. You can pick it up again. Amen. Amen. That's encouraging. In Revelations chapter 2, you were, you were talking about it, Dad. Verse 2, Jesus says wonderful things. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. Those are, that's great. Jesus knows this is your hard work, but I think Jesus doesn't want, to be a, doesn't want us to get into maintenance mode. He wants us to ha- remember our first love. He wants to have us those passions that we used to have. And whenever you said, Ana Labete, pick up those things that you used to pick up. Yeah, I, do it again. I rem- remembered immediately people who used to read their Bible faithfully, and then slowly they stopped reading their Bible. It, it just re- came to my mind that, you know, you need to pick up your Bible and read it. You know, pick up that Bible you love so much mm-hmm. and, and, put it, and keep putting it in front of you. Don't stop reading your Bible. Just pick up those things and read it over and over and over again. And don't depend on your emotion to do it. Mm-hmm. If you depend on your emotions, you won't do anything. You know, every day I brush my teeth. I don't think, well, do I feel like brushing my teeth today? Oh, I really feel like brushing my teeth. No, I just brush my teeth because that's what I do. And you have to build spiritual disciplines in your life that will keep your fire burning. Denise? Well, and you know, the enemy, he's the accuser of the brethren. So he'll point his finger at you and say, hey, you lost your fire. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get it back again. You're not, you're not very effective for God now. Even if he might even saying like kind of the truth. He says it with an accusing voice because that's who he is. And the word of God is so powerful that if we just pick it up and read it, like Joel said, well, within the word is power. This is Jesus is called the word of God. I know I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, but he is the word of God. And this word is him. He's in this word. And if you just pick it up, say you read it for 30 minutes. Just say it takes you 30 minutes to to read it, get your mind off of everything else. You are putting the, you're firing up the very fire of God that's inside of you. But honey, 30 minutes is scary to some people. You can start with five minutes. You don't have to do 30 minutes. Just start. Just start. But I'm thinking about Ana Labete, Mama. And uh, you, t- you said as the Roman soldiers put on their armor. Right, picking it up again. Picking it up again. What if an enemy was coming against the Roman soldiers and they sat there looking at the army coming against them and they said, you know, I don't feel like putting on this armor. Well, hey, stop, because I want to make a comment mm-hmm. because that's what happened. Historically, Roman soldiers, when they were really involved in fighting, they would get tired. And when they felt like the enemy was away, they would drop their weaponry mm-hmm. and they would relax And inevitably, that's when the enemy came with a surprise attack. And that's what happens to Christians. Mm. Very often they fight and 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 they get tired. That's why you have to have a continual supply of the Spirit. And when they get tired, they let their guard down. And that's when the enemy attacks. But hey, I want us to go back to this verse, Ephesians 6, 13. Mm -hmm. Paul says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Why? that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Somebody said, well, what is the evil day? Is that some day on God's prophetic calendar in the future? No, it's any day you wake up and evil's in your day. That's an evil day. If you wake up and you got a report that you have COVID, that's an evil day. Well, when you have the weapons of God, 
it enables you to push the enemy back across the line so you can maintain your territory. That's what Denise and I did starting two weeks ago. We didn't just say, oh, we're under attack. We engaged our faith. We took what we believe and we pushed the enemy back across the line. This weaponry helps you anytime that evil gets in your day. If you go to the mailbox and you see there's a bill that you were not anticipating that's like 50 times bigger than you anticipated that it would be if it showed up, ay, 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 that is an evil day. What do you do? Or if you and your spouse get into a prolonged, difficult conversation that you don't know how to get out of, it's like evil got into your relationship, or something's happened to your kids, that's evil. Those are evil days. Well, we're not victims. When we have the weapons of God and we're using them, we can stand against any evil that shows up in any day in our lives. But hey, the verse goes on to say, and having done all to stand. I was recently teaching on this and people in the crowd started laughing when I commented on this. I want to tell you my view of this. When most people read, having done all to stand, here's here's how they read it. If you use the word of God and the word of God doesn't work, then just stand. If you use the power of God and the power of God doesn't work, then just stand. Well, there's a problem with all of that because the Bible works. It always works. The power of God works. And let me ask you, if the word doesn't work, the promise doesn't work, and the power doesn't work, and the blood doesn't work, what do you think standing is going to do? (laughs) The devil is just going to beat the life out of you. Then what in the world does this verse mean, having done all, stand? Well, the Greek tense is really important because the Greek says, and having brought everything to an ultimate conclusion, stand. It pictures us at the end of the fight, which means I say, God carries a photo of you and me and us in his wallet. But God's photo is not what we look like today. God's photo is what we're going to look like when the battle is finished. Mm. And when God pulls out that photo and looks at the end of our story, we're not laying under the enemy and the enemy standing on top of us, having brought everything to an ultimate conclusion. God says, if you use the power, if you use the weapons, if you use the blood, if you use the word, if you use everything that is available to you, when this thing comes to a final conclusion, you're the one that's going to be standing. That is God's prophecy of my future and your future. We're not going to be laying on the ground, slain with our blood spilling out all over the ground, but we're going to be like David, who at the end of the battle was standing on top of Goliath. One foot on top of Goliath, a sword in a hand, a head in the other hand. David, at the end of the battle, was standing. Mm -hmm. And actually, Ephesians 6, 13, is God's prophecy of our future. Mm -hmm. When this thing is wrapped up, When it's all said and done, we're going to be standing. Absolutely. God has a picture of our future. I like that. Isn't that wonderful, Mm -hmm. Denise? Oh, I love it. You know, I've heard you say that for several years. I love it every time. And I always think of, and I just really think, because I'm, I'm very dramatic in my thinking, I just think of him pulling that picture out, going, there she is. She's standing. Now think how powerful that is because you may see yourself as a struggler. God sees you different. As a victor. He sees you when this thing is said and done 
as more than a conqueror. And you know what, Rick? His vision is true. Amen. Ours can lie to us, but his is the truth. Amen. But my friends, if you need prayer, please call us at 1-800-742-5593 or email us at prayer.org. Okay, go to bed. We'll see you tomorrow night. We're going to pick up in Ephesians 6, verse 14. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it. 